Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy. I'm so glad you're here because it demonstrates your interest in having better relationships, better relationships with yourself, with others at work, at home, with your children, with your teenagers, with your adult children. And it also helps us reflect on the relationship we have with our parents, other people in the community and those at work. So important to hone our skills so that we can have those very best relationships possible and know that our part in them is informed and that we're being our best self. So I'm glad that you're here today. I'm going to talk about acceptance. You know, I think every one of us longs to be seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted in our primary relationships. And many people, as you know from my other podcast, Save Your Sanity, there are people in the world who want to keep you guessing all the time whether or not you're acceptable, and they will go the extra mile to tell you that you're not. So we all want to have a sense of being accepted, to, to feel like we're okay, we're enough, that we are acceptable. And sometimes that's difficult to come by. Because people are in a competition with us, or they have a need to make us feel less than, or maybe they don't feel good about themselves, so they want to drag us down. So feeling accepted begins within ourselves, as does everything, as you've come to know, I'm sure. Like, Do you really know yourself? Do you know what you value? With my clients, I ask them to do an exercise I call the value shuffle. And that's a way of looking at your values, knowing the priority of your values, so that you can actually be aware. When you're very clear, then you know what principles you're living from. And then to know what your vision of your life is. What is it that you see yourself doing? How would you like it to unfold? Then to know what your beliefs are, your beliefs about everything. Your, not only your spiritual beliefs, but your beliefs about how money works, how the world works, how people are, what things mean. I mean, we have so much to explore within ourselves when we look at our beliefs. And then look at your goals and your purposes and what is it you want to achieve and what is it you want to contribute to this world. And when you're very, very clear within yourself, and that means spending time with yourself, you know, as that quiet time that so many of us in this field talk about, the necessity to spend quiet time with yourself so that you can know who's in there and make sure that he or she is presenting to the world in ways that are in alignment with your values and your vision for your life and your beliefs and your purpose and goals and the mission that you're on. And that requires us to be willing to look 
to not be afraid, to not go into busyness mode, to not say, oh, well, I'm fine and everybody else has a problem, or I don't matter, which is much, much more difficult and certainly not true because you do matter. And coming to understand to yourself that you matter, to demonstrate that you matter, means spending time with yourself. Now, how does this relate to being accepted? Well, first of all, when you're comfortable, you're not seeking for outside validation. Yes, we all love outside validation. And I certainly invite every one of us to give it to other people in a genuine form. And that doesn't mean that we're going crazy trying to say something nice to other people all the time. It means that when it genuinely arises that you appreciate somebody else, you're thankful for somebody else, you see something of beauty in somebody else, you're grateful for something, that you comment on it, that you don't withhold that. That's how you demonstrate acceptance of other people. And when you are doing that, when you are living from your values, your vision, your beliefs, and your purpose, and you're demonstrating that to other people by being accepting, by being a person who expresses what you appreciate, and you acknowledge what other people are doing, it lets them know that they're seen and heard. And sometimes we gloss over that, particularly if we're insecure within ourselves, We get into, you know, what's going on within me? How do I feel? Am I good enough? Will they like me? And we get into our heads around that so much that we're not coming across. We're not giving anything. And if we're not able to give something from a place of confidence and some sense of security, then we can't be expecting to have that reflected back to us in the community very well. Of course, we're always grateful for some magnanimous person who does that for us when we're feeling down or we're feeling insecure or unstable. And let's be that person for other people. But in order to have a sense of acceptance in the world, we have to accept ourselves, to find ourselves acceptable. And if by any chance there are things that you want to change, hey, good news, you can. You can change at any moment. And I don't know that people really understand the power that we can change, that you can change. All you have to do is say, I'm going to do that differently. I don't care for the result I get there. I don't feel good when I do that. You know, you have moments like, I don't like to talk about other people. I'll talk about facts for sure, but I don't like to talk about other people unless it's in a really good light. Or if it needs talking about and it's a, a given a given exchange. But sometimes I just have a little feeling if I say something and I think, I don't know if that landed very well, there's a feeling inside me that goes, mm, don't like that about myself very much at this moment. You know that feeling? Well, that means that it's unacceptable to me. Somehow I may have crossed a boundary that is internal to me, that is not okay with me. And I have to be aware of that. And I have to calibrate that in the moment and say, "Uh, you know, let me fix that. Here's what I meant. I did not uh, mean to be in any way uh, giving you the impression that I had an opinion or a judgment about this person. This is simply a fact. Um, So I need to clarify that. And I need to come clean with myself so that I can be acceptable to myself. And that's a really important piece for us to understand. That's why we have to do our own work our homework, because it's at home within us. And then who is in your life? 
You know, I had this experience once. My mother had passed, both my parents had passed, and I was sitting on my yoga studio floor. I used to own a health retreat, and I had a big yoga studio. And I had all the photographs from my parents and my photographs spread out on the floor. And I was making albums for my three children, from the earliest photographs of my parents' albums up to the present day and mine. And at the end of doing this for a whole day, making albums for my kids, I realized that my mother always used to say to me, well, you know, it's a good thing you're smart because you're fat and ugly. She used to say that all the time because my mother was a hijackal. She was a disturbed person. And so I thought, where's the evidence for fat and ugly here? Let me go and look. So I looked it all over. Couldn't see any. Really couldn't see any. Now, if you think I'm fooling myself about the ugly part, that's, um, that's okay for you to think. But I couldn't see any because I found my photographs acceptable. And so then I started to think about my mom who made her business to disapprove of everything and everybody. My mother was racist. She was judgmental. She was outspoken. She was mean. She was unkind. There were lots of things that were going on within her because she was a very unhappy, toxic person. And so I started to think about the fact that I don't approve of the way my mother behaved in life. I just don't. And then, you know, what struck me? That in my entire life, my mother had never said anything good about me or to me. And I realized that I was waiting for her approval. But the next step to realizing that was I was waiting for the approval of someone of whom I didn't approve. I was trying to be acceptable to someone who was determined to always find fault with me. So you need to look at who it is that you have in your life when you're looking for acceptance. Are you with somebody who is determined not to accept you, to never find you good enough, to never find you lovable, to never find you worthy? And then you need to change that as well. Or maybe you're like me, you came from a mother who behaved that way, and then you're an adult now, and you have to look at how is that impacting my relationships. Many times with my clients, and I have clients all over the world because I work with video conferencing, we'll find that the issues that are coming up in their relationships are reflective of having a relationship with a parent that gave them a certain imprint and impact that was now playing out in their relationships. So they were finding themselves not being accepted. They were in unacceptable relationships and the penny dropped. Now we could move forward. We could find out exactly what those things were, what needed to be shifted or changed or recalibrated. So if you're looking for acceptance in your life, start by looking within you. Are you acceptable to you? If there are things you want to tweak, then you can do that because you'll have figured them out. Second step, look at the people who surround you. Are they supportive? Are they interested? You know, as I say in my book, Kaizen for Couples, you know, you want to be seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. Are these people able to do that, willing to do that? Or are they in a deficit and they're living from a place that they need you to do that for them all the time and nothing comes back to you? So you have to do a survey. Who do I have in my life? Where is the support? And if I need to make a change there. Then in my primary relationship, have I chosen someone who's needy and is always in a deficit? Or have I chosen someone who has something to give? 
Have I chosen someone who will be those three most important things that I talk about? A healthy relationship must have equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. If those three things aren't there, then let's work together and find them because they must be in your relationship or you're never going to be happy. So important. So acceptance is very, very important. And when my partner Charles Anderson and I wrote the book Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up, we wrote acceptance in there. Acceptance, gratitude, trust, and surrender. How to live a life that is actually finding that place of peace within yourself. So there are lots of resources that I've created for you. The two books I've mentioned, Kaizen for Couples and Soul Solitude, you can find them on Amazon. But it's really important for you to understand acceptance by others starts with self-acceptance within yourself. Are you ready for that? Are you up for that? Will you do the work? I hope you will because you truly do matter. Thanks for listening to Emotional Savvy today and stay tuned for every episode where I bring you all that I can to help you have the very best life and the very best relationships possible and that you can focus entirely on how you can move forward into a fulfilling, rewarding life. Talk soon. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. As usual, I am so excited about bringing you an expert guest, but in this case, it's a colleague, it's a friend, and an expert guest. I'd like you to meet Andrea Miller. She's the CEO of YourTango.com, and she's written a fabulous book called Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love. You ready for that? Welcome mm -hmm. to the show, Andrea. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much. I'm glad to finally be here. We've been talking about this for a very long time. So We thanks. have. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun when we can finally make something happen like this. So let me tell everybody a little bit more about you, Andrea. You know what I think is so interesting is creating your tango because you say it's purpose-driven digital publishing and yep. it's focused on love and relationships and empowerment. Now, what could we want more than that? One place to go where you can focus on love and relationships and empowerment. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been an expert over there for you for years, and it is a wonderful place. So hop on over to yourtango.com after our interview. <laughs> right. <thank you. laughs> and, uh, of course, we're going to talk about her book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love. So those are two big things, so stay tuned. Tell your friends to come and join us quickly or to listen to this interview. And this program today is brought to you by the Passive-Aggressive Checklist. If you think you have a passive-aggressive person in your life, or you're thinking maybe you're the passive-aggressive person, go to PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com and take it. It's free and find out for sure. So let's talk, Andrea, about some of these wonderful things. I have so many questions. So your book is called Radical Acceptance. That's, mm -hmm. that's big. So what are we being invited to accept? Well, I describe radical acceptance very simply. It's learning to replace judgment with compassion and empathy. And while that can be said in just a few words, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a, it's a really big idea. And for me personally, and for a lot of people who have read the book and who have followed, you know, thankfully my advice, um, they found that their lives have transformed in 
in the best way possible. And, and so really what the book does is it, it, it follows my life in a very, very personal narrative through um, the highs and the lows of my marriage and the challenges and, and frankly, a lot of my own mistakes. I speak and write very candidly. In fact, a lot of people tell me reading the book is like speaking with me because it is written so conversationally. It is. Um, and then it's peppered with some amazing thought leadership and research from brain science and neurobiology and sex therapy and psychotherapy and, and a whole lot of examples of people who have used radical acceptance to improve their relationships dramatically. Um, but it's, I feel like it's like mindfulness on steroids because it really, really is a practice. So it sounds simple enough to describe, but to really achieve radical acceptance is a very significant commitment to practicing it and practicing it and practicing it. I know practicing sounds so boring. It's like homework. Nobody wants to practice. In fact, one of my favorite lines that I heard relatively recently, everybody wants to transform, but nobody wants to change. Um, (laughs) And so when I talk about practice, I don't, I don't want to scare people at the same time. I mean, I think Roberta, you and I share such a deep passion for helping and healing, partly based on our own personal challenges and our mm-hmm. lives growing up and, and whatnot, but also knowing like once you start to figure those things out for yourself, you just want to share them, um, but they don't kind of fall on your head. They really come through you. Um, and that's really where I think the practice is, allowing them to come through you. And, you know, I could talk for days, but I think I'll leave it there <laughs> with a little bit of the overview on radical acceptance. Well, that's great. Yes. And I think, you know, it does arise from us. And that's where the work is. If we're going to use practice, we might as well use work. Um, Because we can deny it. I mean, we can sit in our head, we can be from here up all the time and Uh think, oh, well, no, I don't have to get into that. I don't have to look Mm -hmm. what's down there, what was given to me or what organically I went through. I can just live from from right now. But when you invite someone to do their work, to look at it and then to practice, it's a big, it's a big issue. And it's a great book. I have read it and I highly recommend it for people. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So we want to move into radical acceptance, but is there anything, playing devil's advocate, that uh-huh. we won't accept? Oh, indeed. In fact, I love, um, I mean, I, I always love your, your boldness and um, your willing to, willingness to call it like it is, Roberta, because I think at one point I'd written something about unconditional love, and you challenged me on that, and I totally, I mean, I got to say, I agree, and I I think, um, I don't want to say I got it wrong entirely, but I think this idea of there's a conditional layer and it's like somebody has to be worthy of, of love um, before they can get anything close to unconditional love. And so I, I end up spending the first, you know, there's an introduction and then the first couple chapters of the book talk about red flags and degrees of orange flags and what not to accept. And I think there are areas that we can all agree, um, you know, theoretically, not even theoretically, I, I say that because so often when somebody's in a, an abusive relationship, for example, or one that's so deeply toxic and dysfunctional, let's face it, a lot of those people have a really hard time extricating themselves. Um, okay. From the outside, of course, I say, and I've heard you say it so beautifully, um, it's not your fault. And of course, those relationships are 
they're not, they're not candidates for radical acceptance. Those are, those are candidates for extricating yourself as safely and, and as quickly and reasonably as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, there, you know, so serious abuse, serious um, doubts about your safety, serious gaslighting. I mean, those kinds of things um, are not acceptable whatsoever. And so, you know, I qualify the book with, with those examples. And then there's a pretty meaningful gray area that may or may not be acceptable for some people. Uh, alcoholism is one, for example. I've seen some really amazing, powerful examples where an alcoholic, you know, a couple stayed together and the, and the alcoholic um, got through it and was healed and, and quit, um, you know, really killing herself through alcoholism. And her partner was able to be, instead of an enabler, somebody who could really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also seen the ugly opposite, right? And that's where the enabling is so devastating, where somebody is, they are, I mean, whether it's through alcoholism, drugs, sex, I mean, you name it, there are a lot of forms of addiction and forms of self-destruction where people in those relationships, um, they often together, they, they can't work through it. And, and so in those cases, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I wish I could be a little more cut and dry, but those are really um, case dependent. I say anything beyond that, you know, sort of, sort of for us healthy normals, um, radical acceptance is, it, it's a, it's a lot of work, um, but it is wholly worth, um, wholly worth practicing. You know, I like something that you say and the way you said it. So let's just put that in here. You said you can't cherry pick, pick the qualities <laughs> you like or love in a person. Uh-huh. So, Indeed. okay. So I can't cherry pick them. So I either have to love you yeah, or leave you. Mm-hmm. Is that the thing? That's it. And I say it, and I say it in a way, I mean, I feel like in America, sometimes we just have to dumb things down so that they're tweetable. <laughs> and, and really, I mean, in a way, it also helps with, I think, breaking through a lot of um, mental clutter. And so, you know, and, and frankly, that's basically the first step, radical acceptance, I break it down into five steps. And the first one is just dump him or her, or just love him or her and or them. Um, and so when I say that, and I'll, I'll use myself as, as a, I think, a you know, a, thankfully a really positive, powerful example of how and why this works. And probably it's what really got me um, started on this radical acceptance path. I talk about it in the book mm-hmm. where I was with the love of my life. When I met Sanjay, it was literally love at first sight. I, I looked at him and I was like, whoa, I'm in trouble because <laughs> chemistry galore. Right. And as time went on, as I describe, there were fireworks of the best and worst kind, amazing chemistry and just, whoa, passion and excitement and all those good things bubbling up, but a lot of pain and frustration and doubt uh, ended up bubbling up too. And I would wring my hands and wonder and try this and try that. And ultimately what I realized after railing against his what I perceived as difficult qualities. Um, I like to talk in the book about how at one point I realized he's a Virgo. And for anybody who follows horoscopes, you know that Virgos tend to be hypercritical. Well, I'm a proud Aries and, you know, kind of in some ways a little bit, yeah, right? A little bit thin-skinned as much as I like to think of myself as a tough guy. Um, and his criticism, oh my God, it would, it would just kill me. And when I realized, in fact, he, he kind of was poking fun of me at something. And I said, you know, 
I realized as an Aries, this is about you, not me. And we high-fived and, and it was a light moment. But the long kind of, I guess the long story short, I realized I was with this brilliant, loving man, a man that was very generous, but also a man who was a human and had his shortcomings. And I finally figured out I needed to do differently what I had been doing before. And that was quit looking at him and expecting him to change. Instead saying to myself, okay, I need to change. I need to be more accepting, knowing full well there are things about him that are hard for me. And that's really where I started to look in inside of myself and say, what hurts and why? And how can I validate whether that's true or not true? Um, and that just put me on this incredible journey. And I'll say this, radical acceptance works for almost every relationship. It works professionally. We practice it at your tango in a really big way. It works with parents. It works with kids. I mean, oh my gosh, I have two little boys. They're five and eight. For anybody out there watching who have little kids, you know, you're with me, right? Because it can be really hard to be the very loving, patient, compassionate parent you want to be all the time because your kids are making you freaking crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'll say to myself, and you know, it's like I have propensity to control. And that's in part how, when I was brought up, that's what I saw, right? And a lot of this like very conditional, hey, I'll be loved if I, you know, I behave. So, you know, the process for me has been a lot of, frankly, unwinding what wasn't working for me and was dysfunctional and un unhealthy for me. So the, the kind of, that's kind of the power of radical acceptance. It's very much looking within and being incredibly honest because we all have ugliness within that isn't fun to look at. Um, and I feel like the more work and radical acceptance that I've done of myself, the more my heart's opened and I've been able to love my husband for who he is. Again, it's not easy to be criticized, um, but I can. T I feel like I can not share. I mean, so back to the cherry picking. I don't just cherry pick and go, oh, Sanjay, I love you because you're handsome and you're brilliant and you're charming and you're generous and you're charismatic and you're all those things. But that, you know, that criticalness or that um, uh, kind of hot-headedness, no, nah, I don't want that. I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, no. and I don't, I don't want him to cherry pick the best of me. I want him to take me as as I am. I need him to take me as I am. So it's, it, you know, it's really meant to be mutual. And in any relationship, you know, what I say to people all the time is that a healthy relationship has three big qualities. It's uh -huh. equal, reciprocal, and mutual. And you have to have all three. You don't just get to be reciprocal and have a, you know, an exchange. It has to be mutual. Totally. You have to have each other's back. You have to want for the other person what they want for themselves and help them get it. And you have to be willing to behave equally so that it's not one-sided. And all those things are part of what I hear you talking about. And also, you know, I think everybody heard, and I just want to emphasize the fact that if you notice that you have compassion for somebody, and maybe you want to be radically accepting of them, but they have way too many things that are hurting you or make you feel in jeopardy, or that they're demeaning, degrading, dismissive, any of those things. Those are not things to be accepting, and you're clear about right. that in the book. So I just want to highlight yeah. that because we're not here to condone or enable totally that are destructive, right? So that's yeah. not what we're talking about today. No, and I'm so glad you're mentioning that. In fact, I want to say, like, you know, Dr. Shaler, you're so wise. You're a, my guru. Um, because... I got that a lot and, and I still get it from time to time that like, well, doesn't that give um, me permission to be a doormat or doesn't that, isn't that license almost? And, and it's like a 
big resounding no. And if anything, the power of radical acceptance is it is so deeply empowering. I mean, it's choosing what to accept and choosing what not to accept. And knowing and so, yourself well enough to know what is acceptable to you, just because completely. it's acceptable to another human being doesn't make it acceptable to you. Totally. Yeah, no, it's a really, really important point because let's face it, there are people in really difficult situations. They just need the thinnest of, uh, you know, I guess, um, uh, approval to say, well, okay, you know, I can, I guess I'm just going to radically accept this abusive relationship. Yeah. And let me, let me lie down and do that. And you know, there, there's, there is a, a, you know, even on your tango, I wrote an article called Four Scary Reasons You Might Want to Reconsider the Unconditional Love Myth. Yeah, I read that. It is, it's important because we, have, we take some spiritual advice so literally. You know, totally. for, and, and so we think, well, we're supposed to love everybody. Yes, do that. But many people are to be loved at a very great distance. Completely. (laughs) Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more because the whole idea of like, you, you know, you need to love yourself and protect yourself. There have to, there has to be safety. And, and so the idea of unconditional love can be so um, self-destructive. So indeed it really is, I think at a distance um, and then maybe even an impersonal way where needed is, is the right um, kind of the right advice here. Well, I often tell my clients, you know, you can love someone because they have the right to draw breath and take up space. You just don't have to occupy that space or listen to the breath. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, it's like, right? You know, we can be extremely respectful of Mother Nature. And, you know, if you believe in the Holy Spirit or the, you know, great wisdom and kind of consciousness of the universe. Uh, so, yes, I, I agree with that. And for years, I taught A Course in Miracles. Now, A Course in Miracles, we have to be really careful there because A Course in Miracles actually says that you can walk out on the street, meet the first person that walks down it, marry it, and create a holy relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is a metaphor, folks, for what's possible. That doesn't mean that now you take them in their you know, whatever situation that they are and you just live with that and you're a better person oh, if right. you put up with all of the things that are, have them living out on the street, <laughs> you know? Right. Agreed. So, so we really have to, you know, my favorite phrase is wake up and smell the herbal tea because <laughs> <laughs> we really need to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a process many times, especially if we're the hijackal. And of course, everybody on the show knows my term hijackal. Mm-hmm. These are the difficult, disturbing, toxic people in our lives. If you're with a hijackal, they keep running back and forth between love bombing you so you'll stay and then dismissing and degrading you. And so right. you get into that, you know, come closer, go away situation all the time. Right. And so you have to make some big decisions about who you are, what you value, what your beliefs are, what your vision for your life is, and then what you can accept. I hear you saying so clearly, Andrea, Mm -hmm. it's not a should. Not a should accept everyone. Mm -hmm. And and that's the big piece that we really want to draw attention to. And I want to tell everybody that my guest today is Andrea Miller. She's the CEO of Your Tango and the author of the fabulous book, Go Get It, Radical Mm -hmm. Acceptance, the secret to happy, lasting love. So as we think about acceptance, um, what do you think the biggest obstacle is for most people once they say, 
okay, I like 85% about this person and he or she rings my chimes and floats my boat. So mm -hmm. how do I decide in that 15% whether it's leave or stay? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges, and this, this actually uh, dovetails really nicely with point two in my book, you know, there are five steps to radical acceptance. Um, the second one is stop, reflect, introspect, and essentially don't let um, sort of your emotions get in the way of, you know, really being a good partner. And I think that's one of the biggest experiences that I've had that have helped me again in every way as a mother, as a CEO, as a friend, as a daughter, and crucially as a wife, um, when whoever it is, whether it's Sanjay or somebody else is pushing my buttons, um, I'll say to him, I'll go, this is not a big button. And, you know, and he'll laugh and I'll laugh and just, and there are a whole bunch of other techniques that I've used for myself. I talk about in the book. Um, I welcome anybody else to share their techniques because I think our emotional reactiveness, I'm quite sure emotional reactiveness is one of the most self-destructive and, and remotion and, and excuse me, relationally destructive things that happen. I mean, so when it comes to that 15% to be able to say, okay, ah, oh, he's being critical again, but to say, you know, to have that nanosecond to just pause, to have a little moment of grace to go, Oh, it's not me. I mean, and even Roberta, when we were talking before we started on the, um, the show and you're describing something to me about some real nastiness that you'd experienced. And it was like, well, clearly it's not you, it's them. And, and everybody's back to this whole business of why are we in relationships? Well, we're in relationships to heal and care for each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I've grown dramatically in my relationship with my husband. And, oh, goodness, there was something recently with my dad that brought me to my knees. It required so much forgiveness. And, it, and our relationship has never been better. But, whoa, we really had to get in there and go through something that was so painful. And I mean, my dad is my, it's like my number one cheerleader. And yet it was a really hard thing. And so I say all of that to get back to this business of the 15%. Um, it, we have to each do our own work. And if, and if kind of our work can start with, how can I learn to be a little less emotionally reactive so I can create space, uh, you know, safe space in, in the relationship for somebody to really be themselves. Um, here's the other big, I, I love it. It's just so much irony. What I found in practicing radical acceptance, it's like those things that used to really bug me, the more I extend compassion and empathy to them, guess what? Ding, ding, ding. They're not the big boogeyman anymore. In fact, it's like they've just kind of receded. Not to say they don't bubble up from time to time, and, you know, there are flare-ups um, and frustrations. There are. I don't want to indicate that, oh, gosh, we've galloped off into the sunset um, in, in our marriage. But as I've, as I've changed and as I've learned to accept and be more emotionally um, sort of calm and, and less reactive, I mean, it's, it almost feels like a miracle how that has made the relationship better and those things don't feel as, as threatening to me. Well, I think there's a really good reason for that. And that's a beautiful example. Let's just talk about this for a minute. Mm -hmm. How many of us were actually experienced in our early life at being radically accepted? Oh, right. 
No, we didn't have that experience. Zero. <laughs> very few. Very you know, few. I've, I've, I've done the, I've done the uh, census. Very few. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe we were lucky and we were welcomed with joy, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we, they, we were really, really wanted. But mm-hmm. those giants that we were born to, they mm-hmm. may not know anything about radical acceptance. And they're like, my job is to form you, to control you, to do all of these things. Right. So I'm so busy right. finding fault that I don't find the joy. And if we've had a poor balance of that, and then we grow up, and that's all we know, and we get into a relationship, well, first of all, we're not so sure that we deserve to be ex- accepted. Indeed. And secondly, we have no model for being accepting. Mm-hmm. And so there's a huge piece of self-work that each one of us has once we realize the concepts in radical acceptance. Indeed. I mean, I feel like that is, is so well put. And when I even I think about the Me Too movement and a lot of what's happening in pop culture, and a lot of men are being called to the carpet, not all men by any means, but enough where it's not just one or two bad guys, right? And there are a bunch of high profile ones, but they're, it's like, they're the, they're the iceberg, right? I mean, they're the tip of the iceberg and so many more, um, you know, people who have been abused as children and, or have been um, in relationships, you know, with parents and whatnot, where they've been emasculated. And, and so that bad behavior ends up coming out in all sorts of unfortunate ways, Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should be apologists for people um, who break the law or are abusive by any means, but it strikes me that this isn't just a, hey, this is me, you're a generational problem. I mean, you look back into the generations, and in fact, just on your last show, um, Joanna was mentioning the, the epigenetic phenomenon, right. right? I mean, there's just, as human beings, whoa, I mean, we are just so connected in so many ways um, to our you know, ancestors and parents and grandparents and socially. And so I think the most, I mean, back to this idea, the most important work we can each do as a human being is that important inner work to figure out how to love and care for ourselves and each Mm -hmm. other and, and let that be the progenitor of more loving and healing. I mean, there's no, no more going upstream that damage is done. Um, but it's helpful, I think, to reflect, well, gosh, like you were saying, um, what, what did I get? Why am I behaving like this? I've had a lot of those moments where I just feel so frustrated. Like I know better. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm still making this mistake as a mother or as a wife. And so it really takes a lot of, it's back to a lot of work, a lot of very honest, very brave introspection. Uh, mm-hmm. But dang, I mean, I mean, I, for myself and so many others, I'm, and Roberta, I know you can talk about so many examples where it's, it's just the most liberating, joyful, transformative thing you can do once you do that work. Well, yes. And I, people come to me and they say, and they're with a hijackle, they're with a toxic, difficult person. And they say, should I leave? And I say this, which goes right along with what you're talking about, Andrea, Mm -hmm. is I say, unless there's sexual or physical abuse, no, that's not the first thing to do. Mm -hmm. The first thing to do is your own work. Yeah. Because you will go right out of that. If you leave right now while you're angry, you're upset, you're feeling disempowered, you will be disempowered in your new situation and you'll have the work to do, but you'll have all kinds of other pressures. So do the work while you're in it, unless there is physical or sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. do the work, find strategies, find out why it's been acceptable to you that these behaviors go on, 
why mm -hmm. perhaps you were attracted to this or they were attracted to you. Uh, learn new strategies. Try them out in the relationship that's difficult right now. See what happens. Try, learn, and then empower yourself. Now, yeah. also from the other side, just a little caveat. There is a, an amazing number of things you need to do to prepare to leave a relationship. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're married and you have children, even more. And right. so I like to walk people through every one of those preparations before they ever say, I'm out of here. Because right. you need to get yourself together. You need to prepare. You need to get your finances together. You need to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. But do the, your own work first. Leaves you as an empowered person who right. says, I know what I want, I know how to get it, I know what's okay with me, I know what I can accept, and I know what's totally unacceptable to me. Totally. Well, I would love to build on that. I just think it is, is such the right message. Um, just even building on that, I can think of two people that I'm in dialogue with who have been seeking my advice. One woman, um, uh, they went through a very bitter divorce, her husband has cancer, and he's reached out to her, he's at the end of his life, and thankfully, you know, she's really done the work to try to forgive him. And I mean, oh, talk about a hijackle. This guy was bad news. Um, and so they're, even though they're divorced, there is, she's really, she's doing a lot of that work and she's really trying to open her heart and be forgiving and find that peace with him in part for herself, right? In part to say, All I don't want herself. him to leave him, you know, leave this earth and feel regrets. And I said to her, as we were talking yesterday, and what a gift to him, you know, he knows on some level he did wrong. Um, for you to be able to kind of bring that open heart and healing spirit back, you, you could very well save his spirit. His, he's going to leave this earth physically, um, but what a gift. And, and the, you know, he's also the product of abuse, right? So it's kind of back to Wow, you know, do these people deserve these oh, bad people deserve um, to be forgiven and, and whatnot? And that's, of course, a longer discussion. But I think this idea of saying if you're in a relationship where it's not physically or sexually abusive, that there's a lot that you can and should try to extract. And maybe, just maybe, you can help the other person. Um, and maybe by doing your own work, that person will. Um, start to wake up and some of their fears and some of the things that caused them to be hijackles, maybe you can kind of start to, you know, chink, chink, chink away at that armor. Um, and if you can't, well, then you can leave with a much freer spirit and go, okay, I did my work and I can leave without any doubts. I think that's the worst thing often about leaving these kinds of relationships unresolved. You go, oh, you know, rubbing your, wringing your hands and did I do the right thing? And maybe I should have given him another chance. Well, if you've done that work, then you get to leave with, yeah, a full heart and saying, I, I'm going to go on to a, a really healthy relationship and just wish this person, you know, grace and, and love. And, and then that's it. I mean, I think I, well, of course we agree because we're, we're, we're talking about the same things. I think really in that model, what is so important is to understand that you forgive other people for yourself, not for them. <laughs> right. That, that, and that's such a big idea that people don't get. Yeah. So you're, you're forgiving them. So you're saying, I don't want you taking up real estate in my head and my heart anymore. Totally. I forgive you. I forgive you. And I will behave from the fact that I forgive you. And mm -hmm. I still will not condone or enable being treated poorly. But right. I won't forgive you. And I think the second piece of that is, 
I've had many people ask me the same question. You know, I've been divorced for years. The, the hijackalistic, what do I do now? And my question to them has nothing to do with hijackalness. It has to do with who are you? Yeah. How are you going to live with yourself beyond this moment? No judgment. There's no right or wrong or good or bad, but you have to think it through. Who mm -hmm. are you? And as that person with those values, what would you do in this circumstance? Yeah. I'm not asking you to re-enter the relationship or do anything like that, but you with compassion for another human being that maybe caused you a great deal of pain. Maybe for you, it's like, okay, you moved on to someone else. Let them take care of you. I, you know, we're complete. Or mm -hmm. maybe it is, I want to give you, I can use that example with my mother, raving hijackal. I'm an only child. She's, she is diagnosed with cancer. What do mm -hmm. I do? right who yeah. am i was the question i took mm -hmm. care of her you know Aww. because who who i am is compassionate about the fact that she had alienated so many people that mm -hmm. you know she was going to be alone in this period of time except for people that i paid to stay with her right, right. and you know it didn't get any better let me dissuade anybody of the okay. that some magic thing happened yeah. You know, just days before she died, I, I, I took a shot. And Andrea, I said to her, you know, Mom, you've never told me you loved me. And she looked at me and she said, I know. Oh, my God. Oh. So, so nothing magical happened. Yeah. Nothing magical happened. Mm -hmm. But do I look back and say, I'm glad I took care of my mother? Yes. Yeah. I said that. But I wouldn't say that for anybody listening or watching. Sure. Do what's right for you that you can live without regret. And I don't mean live without regret because other people will say, oh, isn't that awful? It's because you know what your values are and you know who you are and you know what would be in alignment with that. And so that's what you do. Amen. I, I couldn't say it better. I just, I, I love that. So great, great. Thank you for emphasizing that. Well, I want to ask you a question because you brought up earlier that you use radical acceptance at your tango. So uh -huh. we've got just a few minutes left and I want to ask you, how does uh -huh. radical acceptance help with toxic people at work? Well, what we've tried to do is use that filter where we've got a, an amazing, 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 amazing team. They're passionate, they're creative, they're talented, they're, you know, they're all in, you know, this deep sense of purpose that we have at your tango. Um, it really, it's, it, it, it sort of builds on itself thanks to this incredible team that um, is behind it. Um, but there have been different examples where somebody may have been really talented and it was just like, they may be really talented, um, but we simply cannot accept the fact that there's something so off, you know, whatever it may be, that we just couldn't accept that that was, um, I mean, it was unacceptable. And it doesn't matter um, all the good things you're bringing in. We're not willing to have a toxic culture. I'm, my belief when it comes to, well, really when it comes to any organization, whether it's a family organization, a company, culture is everything. How we yeah. treat each other, how we think about um, you know, each other and what we're bringing into the world. And then the opposite is true. We've, we have some people that are incredibly talented. There are things about them that are really challenging, especially for a type A Aries like I am. Um, I want things how I want them. And there's a reason to that as far as 
you know, for, you know, managerial reasons. Uh, we've got work to do and we've got people to heal and all this good stuff. And so there are people that, um, one person in particular, amazingly talented as an editor, um, has just brought so much to the table, but is a little flaky and a little um, disorganized. And maybe in some organizations, she would be called to the mat and, you know, and, and meant to feel really bad and, and written up in reviews and, hey, you got to do better here. I don't think she's ever going to do better. I mean, I'm just being realistic. Um, but I'll tell you, the more positive feedback that I give her, the better she does. Is she still a little flaky and a little disorganized in some areas? Yeah, you bet. But she totally makes up for that in um, other areas. So I say, would I rather have somebody super organized that is a lot um, weaker as an editor? I mean, heck no. I, you know, she's bringing her whole heart and self to the, to the role. And frankly, all of our team is. I mean, there really is, we've tried to create a place that is safe, safe for people to make mistakes, safe for people to speak up, safe for um, people to really be themselves. And I just think safety is such an important part in all these relationships. So for us, I mean, we literally will stay in management meetings. Well, radical, you know, somebody will be talking and, you know, pitching and moaning a little bit. I'll say, well, radical acceptance, you know, either she's in or she's out. If she's in, we're going to accept her and we're going to embrace her and love her and support her. If we can't do that, then it's sayonara because to be kind of in the hot seat all the time, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my company. And, you know, and, and I, I had a long debate with somebody a while ago, a very kind of prominent um, professional who was really pushing me on the whole radical acceptance in the office thing. And I think I convinced her, I mean, in part because we've seen it, it works. And now I have people telling me that they use radical acceptance um, professionally quite a bit, which I'm like, woo. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I, the thing that I loved in your, your talking about the both sides of that is that we need to know when somebody is behaving in a way that is damaging to our company values, that mm -hmm. they refuse to live within our cultural values. Yeah. It's one thing if, if they don't live within every policy that we have. <laughs> but sure, if, well, indeed, exactly. If they can't live within our cultural values and demonstrate that on a regular basis and a willingness to, to move in that direction, that's what I hear you saying. Like, you know, we yeah. can accept a lot of things, except if they're outside the way that your tango is constructed and we've agreed upon. Completely. But what, what's interesting to me is how a lot of office politics start by, you know, somebody just getting their back up and, you know, they don't like that. They don't think it's fair. Well, you know what? I mean, give me a break. It's like, don't, don't give away, I say this to my five and eight-year-old, don't give away your power, right? Mm -hmm. On those kinds of like truly silly things, mind your own stuff. And, and it just, it, it feels deeply empowering to be able to embrace somebody and say, you know what, you don't do this, this and this that well, but I love you anyway. And I'm super grateful. Not just, nah, like I'm kind of okay with it or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to accept it resentfully. I mean, no, it really is the whole package. I'm, you know, I'm taking, you know, it's back to the no cherry picking and um, yes, but you're right. It, there are things where, geez, that is too, too important in terms of the, the big things. So it's really, it's frankly the, it's like, don't sweat the small stuff. Right. And it's too important to what we stand for to let it go by. Right. And such important things. I think we could talk for another couple of hours. So maybe we'll do this again in six months. <laughs> yeah, now, 
Yeah. So where can people get in touch with you when they want to know about your book? Uh, lots of places. Um, there's um, a, a kind of a website for the book itself, radicalacceptance.love. A lot of people think .com, but I say it's .love, L-O-V-E. Uh, they can find me on Twitter um, and at Andrea Yortango. Um, there's a lot of good radical acceptance editorial at yourtango.com. Um, and then if somebody wants to email me, it's simply Andrea at radicalacceptance.love. And I've gotten so many great reader letters. So if you've got questions, um, good or bad feedback, uh, let me know. I'm, I'm eager to engage. Well, thank you so much for writing the book. Thank you for creating your tango. And thank you for being with me today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. It's such a great partnership. I really appreciate it. Oh, me too. My guest today is Andrea Miller. She's the CEO of YourTango.com, a place you need to check out. It's got great, great information for you. You can use it any moment that you're in the question about what to do next and how to improve your life. Also, her book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love. You want to go and find that at radicalacceptance.love and at Amazon and all the places you love to buy books. So, I'm sure you've got questions. Remember that Andrea invited you to write to her, Andrea at radicalacceptance.love. And you can do that. All of the places to find her on social media will be in today's show notes. So this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. You know where to find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. I'm so glad you're with me. Bring your friends and let's talk again soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships Now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.